This video is sponsored by Game Toppers. Turn your own kitchen or dining room table into a premium portable game solution at a fraction of the cost. Hey everybody, welcome to the next video in the What Happened To series. Today we're talking about what happened to 2017. If you're just catching it now, basically I've been going through the most anticipated lists from Board Game Geek, uh, starting from 2010 and then I'm gonna end at 2019, so I'm gonna do 10 years. So we got a couple more after this. And I go through that list and kind of talk about where the games are now, what my thoughts on them are now, and that kind of thing. Uh, if there are any repeats, which there are for this week or this year, then I just skip them because I talked about them in the previous year because sometimes games take a bit to come out. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, this week is gonna be better than last week's, uh, but not with this game. This, this is, the first game is uh, Vikings Gone Wild. I don't know what this game is, or I've never heard of it. I don't remember anything about it. It's kind of a silly name, so probably my brain shut down on it. Uh, I wish I could talk about this one more, um, but uh, I've not really heard anything much about this one since then, or even back then, so I apologize for that. Uh, the next one, number 19 on the list, is Lisboa, and I think this is one of the only Vitala Serta games I have not played. Now, the reason I have not played it, um, I think a couple people in my group have a copy, and it is easily the least favorite Vital Asserta uh, collectively uh, as a group. Now, some people will have, we were talking about this the other day, some people have CO2 at the bottom, you're nuts. <laughs> uh, but uh, we already had this discussion, but um, yeah, Lisboa is kind of like the lower ranked Lacerda, at least with my collective group. I don't really don't know how it. Uh, you know, how it kind of jived with everybody else in the world. I do see people talking about this and do see people mention that they enjoy it. And so when I say, you know, it's like the least liked Vitala Serta game, it's still liked above, you know, several other designer games, right? Because uh, Vitala Serta is a, is a big hit uh, with a lot of people. He's definitely a hit with our group. And you know, if I had to mention kind of the top um, within the group, I mean, for me, I think it's probably on, my, on Mars or The Gallerist. And then, it, and I think a lot of the other group feels the same way, but then I'd also throw Vinos in there. Uh, some other people have it kind of at the top of their list, and I really like Vinos too. Um, so that'd be kind of like probably our collective sort of top three if I had to aggregate everybody in my particular group. Um, but Lisboa's one that's kind of tracked down the list a little bit. Um, but anyway, I think it's, it's still a good game, I imagine. <laughs> um, and I think my group would agree that it's, it's a decent game. You know, they like it. It's just not their favorite Vital Asserta game. So that's number 19. Uh, number 18 is an expansion to Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Uh, this one's called Jack the Ripper and West End Avengers. Now I've not played this expansion. I have played Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Um, I think I'm one, of, I'm one of probably two people that don't really like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Although, like I've mentioned this before the last couple of weeks, this is not my style of game for some reason. Um, and I, I kind of really wish it was. I don't think I've mentioned that in the previous videos. We talked about like Seven the Continent, um, story games like that, uh, uh, Etherfields, um, Tainted Grail, Sherlock Holmes Consulting. Type. I got, uh, you know, like the detective game from Portal Games is just kind of like this. For some reason, I don't want a story in this way where there's lots of reading and lots of this and that and, you know, um, kind of light on nuts and bolts mechanics and more just on pure narrative. 
you know, I would rather read a book or watch a movie or whatever, um, listen to music, you know, uh, lots of other things than play this kind of game. But a lot of people do like this. I mean, I'd rather play D&D or a role-playing game, honestly, than this because you have a little bit more agency in the narrative part of that where this, this kind of just takes it away from you. Like, it's a, too, a little bit too much spoon-fed might be the right word, but I'm not sure if that's the right word. Um, but yeah, there's not been a ton of expansion for Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, but this game has been around since I think the 80s is when it came out. It might have been the 70s, but... Uh, it came out in the 80s. It's been around for a long time. Uh, so the game does have staying power. It does have legs. Um, and, you know, it's still talked about and sold out, uh, I think, today as it comes out. Um, so so there you go. That's number 18, the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective expansion. Uh, number 17 is marked here as Terraforming Mars expansion. So I'm not really sure which expansions, you know, actually came out this year. Um, if, uh, if it... If it you know, uh, labels it as I did here in the geek list. I'll put it at the bottom, the name of the expansion. But uh, on this list, it just says Terraforming Mars Expansions. <laughs> um, and so I have played Terraforming Mars with one expansion. Uh, this is the first mention of Terraforming Mars on here. Terraforming Mars is a game that is, I mean, 2017 wasn't that long ago. Um so it's still very much in the consciousness. You know, there's the new dice game coming out. There was the Ares Expedition, which is kind of like a light version of Terraforming Mars, kind of a, just a pure pure card game with a little bit of a board, whereas the main game is more of a board, but still kind of a pure card game. I am, I am an enjoyer of Terraforming Mars. I do not like it as much as it's ranked on BGG, I'll say that, because I think it's still in the top 10, from what I can recall. If not, it's in the top 20 for sure. And I enjoy it. I like it. It gets a little repetitive for me, but it's something that every once in a while I feel like playing. And I'd probably have to say the same thing about Ares Expedition. But like Once in a while I get the hanker and I want to play it. Um, but my opinion, uh, notwithstanding, you know, people love this game. There's all kinds of deluxified versions with special boards and trays and components and 3D components and all this stuff. I mean, if you've not heard of Terraforming Mars uh, in the hobby, then, you know, wait five minutes and then you will soon <laughs> after this video because it's it's a quite a prevalent uh, game in the hobby and uh, definitely is a kind of a tour de force in a lot of ways. But this is the first time we've shown up on this list, and again, on the strength of probably the original release the year prior. Uh, number 16 is a game called Unfair, and I played this game once, probably back around the time it came out. And I don't remember it really making much of an impression on me. I remember it was kind of, for some reason, I think I was still on Twitter at this time. And I remember lots of people on Twitter talking about it at some point. And I was like, got to check this out, got to check it out. And so somebody in my group had picked it up and we played it and was like, oh, okay. Um, and I think sometimes when you see things online and social media, there's like a level of hype that I think the viewer of the social media posts kind of creates in their head. Because to my mind, it was like this, everybody's raving about this. But it could have just been a lot of people that just like kind of liked it. <laughs> but, but when you see a lot, you're like, oh, everybody's pumping this thing you know, to the moon, I mean, it was just like, okay, like, it was just, I was like, huh, this is just an average game. Um, don't really see people talk too much about it. I don't know that it's got any expansions or anything, um, but I don't remember hating the game either. So, um, 
So that's number 16, Unfair. Now number 15, Massive Darkness. I've not played Massive Darkness. I've actually played Massive Darkness 2. I do understand this is a, uh, like a kind of a zombie side-ish dungeon crawl from Cool Mini or Not. And it's the Massive Darkness 2, it was was pretty good. Like it's good. I think it's a good game. Massive Darkness 1, from my understanding, had some issues. And I don't know what those were. There's actually an upgrade pack that you can get to make your Massive Darkness 1 stuff use some of the new rules in Massive Darkness 2. Now, I had, did play Massive Darkness 2 with some people who had played Massive Darkness 1, and they thought it was, you know, there were some definite improvements there. Um, so I'm glad that they revisited it, because I thought it was like a really good, solid dungeon crawl, um, but I have enough dun good dungeon crawls that I don't really need, need anything to do with this. Um, the nice thing about it is you can kind of play it like you could the old Dungeons and Dragons board games over the last couple of 10 years where you can just kind of pick a scenario and play it. There is kind of a story campaign, but you don't have to play it in any order. You can just kind of pick and choose scenarios and play through it. Uh, there's no persistence from one game to the next. But I will say the one sort of takeaway for me that I thought was really excellent about Massive Darkness 2 was the asymmetrical powers of the different heroes that you had. So... You know, um, gosh, it's been a, two months or so, I think, since I played it. But there was a, just almost like little mini games that you would play for the different heroes. Um, so the the one here that I played in one of the games that I remember clearly was the rogue who had like a bag builder thing where you put chips in a bag and you draw certain, you drew three of them on a turn, and they. Um, those three chits that you drew gave you bonuses on your three actions because on your turn you get three actions. So sometimes you would get some chips that would be like, eh, you know, they would just kind of do nothing, but you'd have to spend them anyway. Or you get bonuses to help you move or do more damage and stuff like that. But over the course of the game, as you leveled up, then you could kind of bag build and replace chips in the bag. And so it was really cool. It's like you're playing a little bag builder like Orleon or um, Puzzle Strike or something, you know but with your little character. And then the other characters, I remember one was like the, uh, I think it was the mage, where they had this like little wheel, almost like a rondelle, where you could move the thing around and you could spend extra energy to move around further kind of thing. And then that would give you bonuses to your different spells. So everybody had a very unique thing. So anyway, that's a really cool thing. I would, I would recommend lightly Massive Darkness 2, you know, if you're in the mood for something like that, checking something new out. Uh, but for me, I didn't really hang on to it or anything just because I'm like, eh, I got like Shadows of Brimstone and five different versions of Warhammer Quest and Descent Legends of the Dark. And, you know, I'm playing, we're playing through Oath Sworn right now, which is amazing, which I'll probably review in a little while. You know, so it, there's just a lot of better stuff out, but it's, it was good. All right. Number 14 is Near and Far. This is from Red Raven Games. And this is kind of like the second in a trilogy. So you had Above and Below then near and far, and then recently as earlier, or late last year, earlier this year, now or never. And these are kind of Euro games with a story element. Now near and far is actually the one I didn't really care for out of those three. I really liked Above and Below, and I also liked uh, Now or Never. I thought that the sort of deftness with which it applied the story elements to these really solid Euro games worked better in Above and Below and Now or Never. And then near and far was like a little bit, it's like a little bit too convoluted in terms of how you married like the campaign book and the stories and moving around the book or the board as it were. 
Whereas in Above and Below and Now or Never, it was a little bit more just kind of like an extra mechanic, an extra kind of random event generator, but it felt more thematic that way than a lot of, t- a lot of times those things do. Um, so uh, Near and Far, though, is I think one that uh, most people seem to enjoy more than Above and Below. I, I don't know if the jury's really out as far as Now or Never goes, um, but uh, I would definitely take a look at any of those games. Um, my probably recommendation would probably be Now or Never is probably the best one. Um, there's like an official mod for that one. I noticed after my review, I think, um, that there's like a short game and there's, there's the regular game because the, the regular game can go on like a little bit long. I don't think too long, but it, it goes a little long. Uh, but there's like a, just a way to, you know, end the game quicker and stuff. Okay. So that was number 14, near and far. And uh, let's see, uh, number 13 is, uh, time story expansions. Uh, which I'll put the name of below, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, last year I mentioned a different expansion. It was like the Dragon and the Hourglass or something. And so I, sp- I spent a lot of time talking about Time Stories last video, so I'm not going to reiterate it too much. Um, but, you know, it actually took a l- couple of years, it looks like, for Time Stories to kind of catch on uh, in terms of what people were looking forward to. And I think we were getting at this point probably to the end of that kind of first arc of uh, expansions and modules for it. So yeah, but I'm not going to talk too much more about it. If you want to see more of my thoughts, uh, go ahead and look at the 2016 video. Let's see, number 12, this is one I really regret missing out on, Mythic Battles Pantheon. I know some people have played this and they're like, you know, they've described it to me multiple times. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a game I'd really like. Um, I just never, you know, got my hands on it. It's one of these, is one of those big Kickstarters and I was, you know, you got to spend a ton of money and it's like, eh. You know, <laughs> you know, whatever. And um, um, but yeah, I have heard nothing but good things about this. I think it's received some updates within the last year or two. It's kind of fuzzy with the COVID brain, but you know, like was it 2019 that I heard about this, or was it like yesterday? You know, <laughs> the whole time like perception thing is this gets really whacked off um, with uh, you know from March 2020 before and after. Um, but yeah, this is one I still hear talked about and still raved about. Um, you know, I wish I could tell you what I thought about it, but it's definitely been a big hit for, uh, for this publisher and, um, it's, it's just a big battle skirmish kind of thing. And so, which are kind of a dime a dozen on Kickstarter, but I think this is one of the better ones. Um, so that's Mythic Battles Pantheon. Uh, number 11 here is, um... Anachrony, and so I have only played one game uh, from this publisher, and that is like I think it was called Celestia or something like that. And I really did not have a favorable impression of that game, so I've kind of like tuned them out in my brain because they 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 make like these um, really big heavy Euro games that have just like these really quirky themes. I believe time travel is the theme of this one. Although I will say, I think a lot of people think Anachrony is their best game. Um, and maybe I've, maybe I've only played their worst game. Um, so, but this one, I think there's been tons of expansions. There's like a big box version of it. And there's just a lot of, you know, it's just one of these big epic, like super heavy, uh, Euro games. Um, and definitely this company is uh, still around. Um, let's see. Uh, that's number 11. Uh, number 10 is Tiny Epic Quest. Yet another Tiny Epic game. This is kind of like a dungeon crawl version of it. Um, you know, uh, I talked a lot about it the last two weeks of, about uh, Gamelin games and their and their Tiny Epic stuff. I mean, it's 
<laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of funny in some ways. They just keep coming out with Tiny Epic games. Uh, this is not one I play. I haven't played this one. I played a lot of the others. My favorite's Tiny Epic Galaxies, like I mentioned the last couple of weeks. Uh, so that's number 10. Uh, number nine, um, This War of Mine, the board game. Now, I've not played this, and the reason I've not played it is because I played the video game and did not really like the video game. Uh, so This War of Mine is kind of like surviving in kind of like a bombed-out city and trying to scavenge and get you know food and supplies and, and sort of live through kind of this hellish nightmare scape. And I just did not really like the mechanics of the video game they were just a little bit too i don't i don't review video games so i'm not really going to try here but i just didn't like it. it was boring i thought it was really boring to play uh, mechanically you know so and then the board game came out and everybody was excited about it i'm like i don't like the video game <laughs> so i don't care about the board game um so so yeah so there you go i mean i wish i could talk more about it i don't i do hear people talk about this one though um you know, it's not received any expansions or anything. Uh, I think it's a great solo game a lot of people have mentioned. Um, so if you're into solo games, you might look at this. Kind of a bleak theme. But uh, it does. It did receive a lot of praise when it came out. And so I think it's probably def- definitely has some merit and is worth looking at. So that was, uh, was, that, was that number nine? Okay. Uh, number eight is another cool Meteor Not game called Rising Sun. Which is, I believe, right there. Um, this is the second in kind of the trilogy with Blood Rage, Rising Sun, and then Ankh. Um, Rising Sun, I think they came out with it on Kickstarter again or something later. You could get extra stuff for it or something like that. It's some kind of weird Kickstarter. Um, I would say it's probably my least favorite out of the trilogy, but I still um, like it. If there's one of these that would move out of my collection, it would definitely be Rising Sun. Uh, it has a lot of same area control mechanics and stuff similar to the Game of Thrones board game, but I like the theme of that Game of Thrones game more and it's just got a lot more going on. But I do really like Rising Sun. I think it's a great area control game. If you can pick it, I would say if you can get it cheap, I would get it because it does some really cool stuff with like turn order and order of operations and kind of role selection similar to like a Puerto Rico kind of thing. Uh, and it kind of marries that with some traditional sort of area control, jockeying, you know, kinds of stuff. Uh, personally, for me, I like the card drafting part of Blood Rage. That just adds a fun little kind of element to the area control. Blood Rage feels to me kind of like a modern El Grande. You know, I'd rather play Blood Rage than El Grande. And uh, But for me, Ankh is just the majestic masterpiece of the trilogy. Uh, and I talked a ton about it in the review. I'm not going to spend too much time here. Um, but Rising Suns is a good game, you know, and I think people are really looking forward to that Blood Rage follow-up uh, back at this time. Uh, but for me, you know, it's been, uh, if you had to pick one of the three, I mean, I would personally pick Ankh, although some people are kind of bounce off it pretty easily. Um, and, but Blood Rage is probably a no-brainer. I mean, I don't know. People have weird opinions about area control games sometimes. I, don't know. I think they can just kind of rub people the wrong way, which is that makes sense. Anyway, so that was number eight, Rising Sun. Number seven was a repeat. Number six, uh, Dark Souls, the board game. This is another one I played, I think, only only once. I might have played it twice. Uh, didn't really care for it. I know it had a lot of issues out of the gates. Um, it seems like all the games that these guys come out with, Seamforge, 
uh, other than uh, Guild Vault, which was their own sort of IP creation, they just seem to have like a lot of problems. But they keep getting these video game IPs. Um, thankfully, they didn't get Bloodborne because Bloodborne from Culminator, not I really liked. Um, Dark Souls, you know, not so much. And they get they're getting like the are they getting Elden Ring? And then they then they get like also um, Elder Scrolls as well. I think they did. Uh, but Dark Souls is not one. I, I know a lot of people, you know, picked apart the problems from Dark Souls, the board game. Uh, I don't know if there's been any fixes or FAQs or anything like that. I feel like there has been, uh, but I've not been invested enough to check it out. Uh, so anyway, that's number six, Dark Souls, the board game. Came out with some issues, but maybe they've been fixed. Uh, number five is First Martians Adventures on the Red Planet. Um, this is the game I played. I enjoyed it. Um, this is kind of like a Martian or uh, Mars-themed uh, Robinson Crusoe, which is also from Portal Games. And it's a cooperative kind of adventure game where you're kind of managing your your shelter or your Martian base in this case and kind of fighting off different things with the different elements that also had some app-driven stuff uh, at the time. And it really fell like a, it's, 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 it's almost a meme at this point. I think it fell like a big dud uh, when it actually did come out. I don't really know. I think the rule book was probably the main problem with it. Uh, I remember the rule book being obtuse, I would say it probably at best. Uh, but when we played it, like we had a pretty good time, you know, it was fun. I would personally rather, rather play Robinson Crusoe because I just thought that was a little bit more intuitive and it didn't have the app kind of, uh, in the way, in, in some ways. I think the app in this case got in the way a little bit of this game. Um, but uh, you can pick this up super cheap. I have seen this in a lot of bargain base, basement shelves, you know, in different game stores and online and stuff. And so I'd say if you could get through the rules, I think there's a Watch It Played video or somebody did a How to Play video of it. I think it was Watch It Played. So that will really help you. And you should be able to pick it up cheap, like 20 bucks. And it's a, it's a fun game. We had a, we had fun with it. So, um, but those, I will say the rule book. I remember that being an absolute bear in this case. Um, but if you get it cheap, you know, try it out. Um, and I think that's where it stands now. You you see it a lot of times in these uh, discount shelves and stuff like that. So, all right, that's number five. Uh, number four is a game called Charterstone. This is from Stonemaier Games, and this is kind of their attempt at the. Um, uh, legacy type of thing. It's kind of a lighter Euro with some legacy elements. Uh, this is a game I played through with the family. I think we played through, I want to say eight games. Uh, then we got bored of it and then kind of just let it go. Um, this is a weird one because I'm kind of like middling uh, about this one because it's like not terrible. I didn't hate it. But after you play something like, you know, Pandemic Legacy or, um, you know, I don't know. What's the other game that Reiner Knizzi came out with? The uh, My City, which is probably lighter than Charterstone, but I felt was a little bit more elegant and easy to get into and play multiple sessions in a day. And, you know, it just, just kind of moved along like a, a good click. You know, it was just very buttery in terms of the pace. Um, Charterstone, we just got bored of. And... That's all, I, that's all I can really say about it. Like, there was nothing really terrible about it. It was just, like, kind of slowly added mechanics. You were kind of doing the same game loop over and over and over again, which is some other scoring things that felt kind of just... 
I don't know. It's just it's like mediocre. I think it's the right word for it. Uh, the cool thing is you can, if you do like it, you can play through it at least twice because you can get the recharge, flip the big board over, and play through it again. Um, and I know there's people that have done that. So enough people have liked it where, you know, they were like, let's, you know, I think it's 12 games you can play through it. And then they're like, let's play it again. So I've heard, definitely heard people mention that. So that's number four, Charterstone. Number three, speaking of Pandemic Legacy, this is Pandemic Legacy Season 2. And this is the last one we're going to talk about. So I'll just quickly mention number two is Seventh Continent. We talked about last week. And number one was Gloomhaven, which I think we talked about the last two weeks. <laughs> um, well, two weeks ago I talked about it and then it was repeated. So I think it was finally coming out. And it must have been delayed. I don't have a good clear um, memory of that. Although I do remember it coming out in the January of a year. And it must have been this year, 2017. And I remember in, at the end of January I said... Oh uh, yeah, I was still on Twitter then because I said, mark my words or some other arrogant comment. I said, this will be the number one game on Board Game Geek by the end of the year. And I think it was number one by like May. <laughs> so I was just like, this game is like hitting everybody's buttons that they want. And get. like all of the words and crap that you hear people say and reviewers say, I was like, Gloomhaven, it wouldn't be my number one game, of course. But I'm like, it is hitting every not marketing buzzword because I don't want to like that seems negative but it's like hitting every like paradigm of everything it has to be number one and it just whoosh, right up the top um, anyway so that's Gloomhaven and Seven Continent now number three Pandemic Legacy Season 2 uh, that's the last one I'll talk about uh, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before when we talked about Pandemic Legacy Season 1 uh, Season 2 I liked better um, it's definitely the weirder, quirkier sort of sister of the first one. I've not played season zero yet. I've got, I'm looking right at it over there. I just haven't had a chance to do it. I um, will do it. I've heard people say season zero is the best one because I think it's even a bigger paradigm shift in terms of like the pandemic part of it. Um, so yeah, but yeah, what else is there to say? Pandemic, speaking of number one game, Pandemic Legacy season one was the number one game. It's probably number two now. Uh, and then Gloomhaven came and knocked it off. Um, so yeah, so I mean, Pandemic Legacy is like that was be interesting to kind of you know read some hyper academic article in 15 years that's all full of itself and stuffed up with you know board gaming history and and how they talk about pandemic and Gloomhaven, (laughs) you know, stuff like on like on uh. Uh, Kotaku or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> that uh, like what 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 comes after Gen Z, like whatever generation that is, like somebody discovers these games and gets all stuffy about it. That would be fun to read. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, my 2017 list. Uh, so we got two more: 2018, 2019, and then I'll probably do some kind of recap and stuff. Uh, this did trigger like a new top 10 list um, that I'm going to do, but I'm not going to spoil what it is. Uh, I was talking with some friends about this list, kind of looking back. And I was like, oh, what if we look back like uh, a lot of years? So anyway, that'll be in a few weeks. But uh, okay, thanks.